really like that song, and uh, sometimes I think I can identify with the man who was standing outside his pickup truck with the polar bear on one side, he on the other. Uh, you, you know, the polar bear, it's the, the largest um, that land-roaming meat eater in the world. They get up to about a ton. Um, they're, they're apex predators. Their footprint is about yay wide, you know, just one front paw. And uh, it's, you know, if you have one of those things after you, you've got a problem on your hands. But God is bigger than any problem. He's bigger than any mountain um, that I can or cannot see. Now, do you know what the largest mountain is? Anyone venture a guess? What's that? Well, Everest is the largest like land-based mountain. The largest mountain on Earth is it's one of the Hawaiian ones, uh, the volcanic from from the seafloor clear to the snow-capped peak. It's it's the highest mountain on Earth. Now, going back to information based on about 20 years ago, do you know what the largest known mountain is? I'll give you a hint. It's not on Earth. Olympus Mons. You know how high it is. Without Googling, it's in the ballpark of 12 miles, I think. Something like that. It's extreme. It makes Everest look like a little foothill. So, God, thank goodness, God is bigger than any of those mountains. Any, any of the big mountains here on Earth. You know, I, Ruby and I, we took a trip out to, uh, oh, what's that big park um, just south of Yellowstone? Uh, anyway, Grand Teton. And big mountains just kind of jutting up out of nowhere. But remember, now as big as those mountains are, remember that film we saw about the powers of 10? As big as those mountains are, the entire Earth is just a tiny little cosmic scrap of space dust that disappears in, into sightlessness when you venture out in, into the far reaches of the known universe. God is bigger, thank goodness, God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Um, I spoke about seeing as believing, and we talked about uh, the facts concerning God and his word and bringing the Bible to us, the sacred canon of scripture. Um, we're going to continue on that just a little bit. And uh, this one here, I, I call it a faith response. Now, the Bible... We spoke about you know being the sacred canon of scripture. The Bible, the English word Bible comes from the Greek word biblion or the plural biblia, meaning a scroll or a book. Our Bible, the Holy Bible, is an anthology. That is, it is a collection of literary works, and uh, in the case of our Bible, uh, based around a common theme: uh, Almighty God's relationship to mankind. The Holy Bible is a collection of 66 books divided into two testaments, meaning an agreement or covenant, telling one story, that of God's love relationship with mankind. The books of the Bible have been very carefully copied, maintained, and passed from one generation to the next. 
Now, I'm telling you all this kind of stuff. The facts concerning Christianity, the facts on which Christianity is grounded, the, the belief system of Christianity, the Bible, um, it is very factually based. Now, it, you know, if you have doubts, if you a, a doubter, if you're a Thomas, fine, you can doubt. But friends, uh, and if you find that, you know, uh, Christianity is lacking in this one point, or the Bible is lacking in that one point, or, you know, it, it just isn't right, and I know it's not right. Take a number and stand in a very long line. Um, I, I, I appreciate, well, men like Lee Strobel, a, a self-proclaimed atheist. I love his writings. I, I really do love his writings. He was a self-proclaimed atheist, and he, he had problems when his wife came to faith in Jesus Christ, and he wanted to um, put the final nail in the coffin of Christianity. But he, you know, he was just another one standing in a very long line of all down through history. I'm here to tell you, and we're going to truncate this some, somewhat, the facts concerning Christianity are rock solid. The facts concerning our Holy Bible are rock solid. But where people struggle is making a transition from fact to faith. The books of the Bible have been very carefully copied. They've been maintained. They pass from, pass from one generation to the next. Uh, the print media used for the Bible most of the Old Testament was printed on parchment, which was a carefully prepared animal skin. You take the skin, you scrape it, make it all nice and shiny smooth, it's, it's properly tanned, and it's, it's made to be as smooth as it could possibly be so that it could be, you, know, you could take your stick, dip it in the, in the prepared kind of ink that they use, inkberry, whether it's pokeberry or whatever they were using at the time what was available, and then write on that parchment, on that carefully prepared animal skin. Uh, and, and they were, they, they lasted a long time. Uh, papyrus was another print media. It was prim primarily used for New Testament writings. It was a primary source. Not the only, but the primary. Um, it was prepared from a marshland plant. Um, a fibrous plant that was prepared and made into a papyrus paper format. Um, didn't have the durability of, of the, the, what you call the parchment, the leather, but still, if properly taken care of, placed in clay jars like they're Qumran, lasted a long time. Um, modern textual criticism. Now, get into the area of textual criticism. I mentioned this a little bit last time. It is, think of it as forensic literary work. You know, you go to a crime scene and the forensic guys are there, there to study all the little facts and details, everything about the crime scene, to kind of put things into a timeline and paint the picture of what happened so that it can be presented in court as factual evidence. Textual criticism is forensic literary work. Um, they compare ancient documents, date them, place them in, in a timeline order, uh, assemble the writings, they group them, um, analyze fragile documents, 
Let me share a little bit of something with you here. This is what the Bible says. Oh, I grabbed the wrong one. About dealing, this is what the Bible says about dealing with your emotions. I meant to grab my other little book, the very same size, and I had it side by side. It's how we got the Bible. Now, it goes into great detail about um, how the modern textual criticism is a real science. Okay, they, they use labs. They use DNA testing to date and, and group documents, and they can even tell whether, um, in parchment, for instance, the uh, animal skins, whether they were even members of the same flock or whether this fragment was even a, a piece of, of this larger fragment, whether they go together as one piece. It is that good. And, uh, and then they get into the, um, ooh, more along the lines of, I wish I brought the book, area of, it involves elect, electron microscopes and so forth and um, algorithms that have been developed such that a parchment that is, or a papyrus in particular, that is too fragile to unroll, um, they can see inside it with the, this modern lab equipment and in essence unroll by, by means of lab work and projection, unroll the document without physically unrolling it and destroying it and read what's on it. And in some cases, some of the doc documents, the parchments or papyrus, have been damaged by fire. Now, I remember one of my instructors at Bible Institute, Brother Harold Davis, they, they were a faith-based ministry, didn't have a lot of money. What money they had back in these early days, you know, the people stored money in cans in their houses. His house had a fire, and his can of money it, it was charred, but it was all still intact. He bundled it up. He sent it to the Department of Treasury. They determined, using this kind of technology, what each bill was, what the value of it was, and sent that value back to him. Now, th th that is the kind of work that can be done and is being done with Bible documents. Okay, now, now we come to this. After all the facts are in place, I wish I had Lee Strobel up here to tell this story instead of me. Uh, he, he's been down that path. After all the facts are in place, okay, you get all the facts in order, and, and you can believe the facts. They're right here in front of you. you can, look, yeah, yeah I, I believe those facts. So did the Ephesian church. The work of salvation requires a faith response. It's possible we can have all the correct factual knowledge and still miss out on the faith relationship with our creator. If you have your Bibles, please open them. The very last book of the New Testament, book of Revelation. Uh, we're going to look at chapter 2, the first part of the chapter. I can get there. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Revelation 2, uh, I think it's the first eight verses. To the angel of the church at Ephesus write, 
These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil and found them liars. Oh, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have preserved and have, you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. They have their facts in order. They had a lot of their good works in order, doing the right things, believing the right things. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from whence you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And I spoke of that some time back, what they are. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who comes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. It is possible to have all your facts straight and miss out on a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, faith is required for a salvation relationship with Christ. It is important to have the facts straight. It is important to have a good sound theology, but it doesn't end there. Um, turn with me to Galatians, and we're about to wrap this up. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Let's see, it's 15. Down here to 16. Mm -hmm. All right, well, I'll start at 15. We who are Jews by nature, not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. And then turn the page over to chapter 3, if you would please. Um, verses 19 through 25. Um, 19. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promise of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise is that, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. A faith response is required. If you are a doubter, you're not the only ones. I was a doubter. 
as a young Christian, I had a lot of questions. And, and God, over time, led me through these areas of doubt. The facts support our Bible as we have it. The Bible has stood the test of time. God's word has been questioned ever since um, the Garden of Eden. Original sin in mankind, as man, regarding mankind, came about by questioning, by questioning God. Did God really say? Well, friends, God did really say. The Bible has stood the test of time. The question is, do you have a faith relationship with the one who gave us the Bible, Jesus Christ? It requires a faith response. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. A faith response is required. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may your will be done in us and through us. We love you, Lord. Help us to serve you. Help us to live for you. Help us to live that life of faith. Be with us. Guard us, guide us, help us. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Here's Mr. Trump.